welcome. Thank you for the ministry with Beijing, China. Rui, thank you for that. Thank everybody for the wonderful praise. Wonderful. Amen. We know the church is expanding to the five continents around the world, or four continents, how many there are, or ten, whatever the case is. God is enveloping the world, and we see it's wonderful, having a big impact. We have a Chinese ministry uh, establishing in China at the moment, and we have different in different parts of the world. So we thank God we're part of a bigger family. So not just you here, but we are connected all over the world. Amidst all the struggles, the adversity, the conflicts of the world, we know God is still changing people's lives. And the fact that we're here is because somehow God has impacted us and our lives have been changed and changing. We're going from glory to glory. The Apostle Paul says he hasn't attained perfection. I strive to move on to become all that God wants us to be. What God created us to be, that's the whole journey. That's the whole human plight to restore that which was lost. And God is a God of restoration. That's the theme for this morning. God will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. So God bless you. Praise them. Before we come to the message for this morning, uh, I just want to just uh, acknowledge a few things. Um, I had a call from Marilyn. She's, uh, she's asked us to pray for John Philip, her uncle, uh, Cecile's far, uh, brother. Where's Cecile? Is she in the house? She's here. And also for Marilyn herself as well. And for any other needs you have as well, as we just, where you're seated, let's just bow our heads. If there's any need you have, anything you want to pray for, any concern, which it's an opportunity just to step out the hustle and bustle of life and just give it to God. You can speak, you can be silent, just reflect on that as we pray now in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for whatever needs there are. And Lord, I bring to your throne, Lord, the, the loss of Stuart Livermore, the loss of Phil Webb, the loss of people who've gone prematurely, Lord, gone too soon. We pray for their families, console them, Lord. I pray for Philip, uh, John Philip, for his health and well-being. I pray for Marilyn. I pray for every person here, Lord, that as they've come in, when they leave, they leave with something else, with something special, that they leave... With, with hope and encouragement as we give you the praise, the glory, the preeminence, and we say in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. As it's becoming my practice, I ask individuals to come and help me with my message in the morning. So I've given the, the two reference readings to two youngsters in the house. If they both come up and my assistants to read the two passages I want to just lay down as a foundation, Raphael and uh, Becky, please come. Let's clap because sometimes it's daunting to be in front of people. Amen. They're going to read for us. I'll ask Raphael to read first, then Becky. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Morning. So I'm reading from James 1, 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who asks is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that we will receive anything from the Lord. 
He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. God bless. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless. Amen. Two, well, the scripture is very important. So if you've not been to a study before, let's just journey through this word, unpack, decode. You know we have uh, decoders in our lives, and we want the Holy Spirit is the pure decoder to give us understanding. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, made this statement. I want to take it slowly because I know there's people maybe not versed with the Bible. just want to take it slowly. Think about this because there's depth, width, length, and height in the Word of God. Uh, there's surface, there's a middle, and there's inner core in relation to revelation in God. And we want to go to, into the depth of the Word of God. And I want you to look at the Word of God like an egg. Yeah, you know what an egg looks like, yes? It's got different parts. It's got the shell. It's got the white, and it's got the yolk. That's what the Word of God is like. Because in order to come into the, 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 the substance of the egg, you need to break the shell. And sometimes life, there's, we need to break through something to get to the substance where we really need to be. And sometimes it's hard to break into the Word of God. But there's a process. There's a, there's a way to get into the depth of the Word of God. And God, it's not us breaking into the Word of God. It's God revealing himself out of the Word of God. The more we're around the Word of God, the more we're warmed with the Holy Spirit. God will minister into our lives. And there's depth in the Word of God. And sometimes we, we read the Bible intellectually, and that's not a problem. Because we could come to God through reason, but sometimes our faith gives us understanding. We want to start trusting God. That's what James says. We need to start believing to receive the wisdom from God, what changes everything. Because the Word of God, the Bible, is, no, is like no other book in the world, in the universe, in creation. There's a depth to it, there's a dimension. The, 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 the matrix of the Word of God is profound. And it doesn't mean to be academically intelligent. Or qualified doesn't mean that's the only way you come to God. Sometimes God speaks to us in simplicity because when he called the apostles, he didn't call the philosophers or the doctors or the educated in the universities. He went to fishermen, simple people, and they understood more of God than the ones who studied God because sometimes we dissect God and we lose sight of God. We, we cannot see the wood for the trees. And sometimes God is, is encountered in simplicity. Would just open your heart and say, Lord, today I've come here. My history has brought me to 193, 195 Angel Place, 4th Street in, 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 in North London. And I'm here for a purpose. God has, God has something for us. And I don't want you to leave without taking the gift and the blessing with you. Praise God. Amen. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says this, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And what I'd like to invite you and encourage you to do today, as the word is being ministered, don't just look at the person who's delivering the message. Say, God, what are you saying to me through the word? Why am I really here? What's the purpose of life? What, 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 do, I, what do you want me to learn from today's message? Okay, I want to encourage you to think along those lines, those terms. Because I want to draw dimensions of the Word of God and drop them into your spirit that perhaps you never encountered before and you never acknowledged before and you never perhaps even knew that they were there or you never saw them in the light that God wants you to see them in. I wish I'm speaking to someone. And I'd like to welcome the people watching live stream at home. So let me just come to my first reading, which uh, Raphael shared. It's Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And it speaks about creation. And it speaks about God. 
And it speaks about God's purpose and God's plan and what God desires to bring about. And the crowning of his creation is humanity. He created everything for you, for you and I. He created everything for, for Adam and Eve. Okay? But it comes to a point after everything is created, it's the sixth day, the second part of the sixth day, where prior to this, he creates the, 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 the mammals, the sea creatures. Prior to that, he creates the sea, the, the sea creatures and, the, and then the earth creatures. But it comes to the point after everything is brought about into existence, he said he makes a profound statement from the volumes of time. It tells us this. It says, then God, it says, then God said, it's powerful, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. And I don't want to explore the, the theological implications, what the let us represents in the plural, which many of you would know if you're studying the word of God. It, 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 it's inclusive. It includes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because they were there from before creation. Before time, God existed. So God is eternal. Yeah? And that's why in John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the beginning, the Word was there. And then he defines the Word by saying, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when the Scripture says, Let us make man in the plural, in our image and our likes, it's a represents, it reflects the Godhead, reflects divinity that we were created to be, have divine property in our lives and be divine and have creative power. And that power was intended for the good. Unfortunately, it's used for the bad. In the same way, I can have a knife and kill someone with it. I can use the same knife as an instrument to cut bread or to do something good. We have the tool. How we use it determines the goodness or bad, how good or bad that actual tool is. I wish I'm speaking to someone. So God's gifted you with different uh, uh, grace, different gifts and so forth. And he wants you to use them for the good, not for the bad. You have a tongue. You can use it for the good or for the bad. You can say something good to someone or you can criticize someone. You can curse someone or you can bless someone. It's the same tongue, but used in different ways. It depends on the one who has the tongue, the values the one has, the attitude the one has will determine its use. So I pray whatever you have, use it in a praiseworthy way to bring blessing. Because as you bless, it will come back to you. And that's a divine principle. The divine principle is what you give out, you get back. You, you wouldn't say to a farmer, plant me an apple seed and expect pears, would you? You wouldn't say, plant me a fig tree and expect thorns, would you? What you sow, you reap. Do something good and something good will come back. But interesting, the law, the principle, and the law of sowing and reaping is profound, amazing, because you sow one seed, but you receive a forest. You get more back than what you've done. You do one good deed, and the good deeds will overtake you, will, will come in abundance if you do one good thing. That's why it says the blessings of Abraham are mine. Yeah? As you bless, you're blessed. When you curse, it comes back to you. That's why when life doesn't go according to our plan, it's because we've set that. We've set the tone for our lives. Start the day in a new way with a new mindset, a new attitude. Say, from now on, from this day forward, I'm only going to do good things. Because if you want success, you want uh, to, to become victorious, you want to accomplish, then do good things. And it's a natural process. You might go from some adversity, but you're going to come up on top, ahead, and overcome in. Praise God. 
Because you can't keep the word of God and God's people down. Because when God blesses you, no one can take that blessing away. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, in Genesis, so it begins by saying, then God said, he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then he, make, he says something about what, how the authority, the, 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 what, what rights and mode of function uh, the, 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 the man in his image and likeness will look like. Being in the image and likeness of God, there's a certain look about it, a certain behavior pattern. A certain values go with looking, and certain responsibility goes in respect to looking like God. If you have a company and you want the good, rep- the good name of the company and good reputation of the company, your employees must not bring that company in disrepute. They must have certain virtues, certain attitudes, certain values to conduct themselves in a certain way so when people see them and know they're part of your company, that it commends, it's a commendable thing. Huh. Would you want someone working for you that brings disgrace to you all the time? That people will say, well, if this is a kind of, you know, see your friends and see your character. So you want people in your company and around you who are, who've got qualities, who, are, who, who, who've got value, who are an asset, not a liability. Is that right? Am I speaking to the wrong? Yes. So one person does one thing wrong, everyone is painted by the same brush. Yeah, one person does, one Christian does something wrong, all of Christianity is wrong. And we want to uphold the good integrity of the word of God, praise God, and of the house of God. So when we say we're in God's image and we embrace that and, 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 and celebrate that, then our lifestyle must reflect what we say we are. It's not good to say, my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, then my behavior is like the devil. Who's my father? You reflect your, your, the characters of the source you come from. You should do, because if we're human, we should be reflecting that and conduct ourselves accordingly. Am I speaking to someone? Or have I deviated from the word of God? So when, when it says, and so let us make man in our image according to our likeness, so what's the image of God and what's the likeness of God? What's represented in that? And that's where we're coming to. And that's the whole purpose of, of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ coming, to restore that which was damaged, to bring back that image and, and reflect what God the Father is. Come on. Yeah. And so everything that Jesus is, we need to reflect that everything that Jesus, his characteristics. What was Jesus' character? How did he react or respond to situations? He responded to situations. He didn't react. Jesus Christ was loving. God is loving, for God so loved the world. So we must have a love flowing within our veins, our spiritual veins. It must be love. But that love of God is unconditional in that respect. It's a giving love, not a taking love. We love because we want to take, but God loves because he wants to give. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God is a giver. And if we're going to reflect God, we have to be givers. Because the more you give, the more you have. The less you give, the less you have. The divine law of, of diminish increase oh, you get that when you get home diminish increase means that when you give out what you're going to have left over is going to be more in abundance than what you've given out it's a contradiction if you like 
but it's a, a, a spiritual law and a spiritual science. What I mean by this, we have five loaves and two fish, and I say oftentimes, they give the five loaves and two fish, and they've left with 12 baskets. You have, they have uh, seven to begin with, they have 12 left over. So if reflecting like God, you have to be a giver, giving out of himself. To be like God, and, and if we see in the face of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you must be, a, you must be able to forgive for God so loved them, he says, so forgive. On the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. God, because God accounts for our human ignorance and our human limitations. He makes an account for that. And often people may do you wrong or might hurt you. Sometimes they don't know why they're hurting you. So sometimes you've got to transcend their limitations and their weakness and forgive them in spite and not because. Because when we're not forgiving, we're hurting ourselves more than we are hurting them. Don't own other people's problems. Don't let that, that embitterment live and dwell in you and habitate your mind, your body, your spirit, and your soul. Let go and be free. Because Jesus said, know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But we're overtaken, overcome because we get distracted and we let petty things trip us over. We let little pebbles trip us over. The mountain's not going to trip you over. It's the little pebble that's going to be a problem. Those who ever do long distance running, I know Ezra does because he runs when he trains. And I know other people here train with, the, with, 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 with eagles and so forth. But let me tell you something. Have you run on a track and a little pebble comes into your trainer? It's so irritating, so uncomfortable, it spoils your rhythm and you have to stop to get it out. You don't want to stop because once your heart gets the rhythm, you want to keep going in that rhythm. But when a little, a little, little stone, a little pebble gets into your trainer, you have to stop. And sometimes it's the little things that bring us down and stop us, not the big things. The big things are obvious. You can avoid the mountain, but you cannot avoid the little molehill. Sometimes you trip up over molehill. Have you ever run and you're running in the street and there's a curb that's lifted up a bit and you kick it and you go flying? <laughs> it's happened to me. So it's not the things sometimes, the obvious that knock, it's the, it's the, things, that, the, 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 the things that we're not expecting that sometimes trip us over. But thank God we have God who accounts for these things and helps us get ourselves up, dust ourselves down, and continue the journey. So if you've tripped up today, I'm telling you, you have permission to get up and move on and become all the best version of yourself that you can be. That's what the Word of God teaches us. A church service is not about writs and rights, someone performing for you. You go to the theatre for that. You want to go and see an opera? You want to go and see a prayer? Go to the theatre. You want to learn about life-changing lessons? Come to the house of God. You want to be entertained? Go to a football match. You want to be entertained? Go to the circus. The house of God teaches us how to live, to rise above the menial things, to make us empower us, to become all that God wants us to be, because God is a restorer. Hallelujah. And then this is what the, Bible, the scripture says this. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We have authority and control over all these elements, these things. Now, when we read it from a carnal disposition, that many people do, religious people do, read this religiously, carnally, and think, oh, it's about the world. It's about the fish, 
Yeah? It's about the birds. It's about the animals. No, it's about you and me. Because there's a metaphorical lesson within this passage that speaks about my way of life. Because the fish, the sea, the birds, the air, and the cattle and the earth represent about my nature and how I conduct myself every day. See, the Lord put this in a cold. Yes, he speaks, God created the heavens and the earth and everything, yes. But there are truth is parallel. So everything you see physically, there's a spiritual counterpart to this. In the same way the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, metaphorical, that speaks beyond itself. Yes, there's a carnal aspect. God, of course we want peace in the world. Have you seen peace? Let me see. Is there peace here? Let me see in Palestine. Is there peace in Israel? No. Let me see in Russia. Is there peace? No. Is there peace where? But it comes closer. It's getting closer to me because I've got to look into my heart and see is there peace in the earth of my heart because when his kingdom comes there'll be peace in my heart it doesn't matter about the peace around the world because God wants me to establish the peace in myself before I can do anything else I cannot give something out that I do not have and the thing that the political leaders lack in this world is the peace of God because they don't have the peace of God and their life is in turmoil they project it out and they cause chaos around the world and that's where the problem is So these are all metaphorical. So what? So if the Lord's Prayer means thy kingdom come, what's the kingdom of God? The Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My life will align with the will of God that is in heaven. So let me go right back. Because Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, verse 25. Please, am am I speaking over someone's head now? If you don't understand what I'm saying, please put your hand up. And I'll come and sit next to you and explain it. (laughs) watch Jesus told the disciples for three years but then he says this because they didn't understand what he was saying because they didn't have the infilling of the Holy Spirit at that time and Jesus said this these things I have spoken to you in figurative language wow okay I have spoke barimias, like a parable. And he says, he says, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. I mean, there's going to come a time. I'll remove the veil and you'll see clearly what I mean. Because knowing something does not mean you understand it. Comprehension does not mean understanding. So he says, I'm going to remove this veil. Before we had our physical Bibles, now we have them on the overhead. When I was, began my spiritual journey, we had our Bible everywhere we went. Now we have it on the telephone. Yeah, but when we read it, it's like there's a veil over the Word of God. And we need that veil taken to understand exactly what is God saying to me personally. Because the message today is for you personally. It's not for anyone outside of your hearing. It's not, re- it's not for someone else. It's for you personally, praise God. So what is so so we come in, in our passage here and it speaks about the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and all the earth. 
So how do I translate this in my life, apply this lesson, draw the meaning for my life? We need the, the assistance of the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, help me understand your word. I need a spiritual grasp of what is actually happening. So, the, so we, we, we are made, if, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says this. Watch this carefully. It says this. See, because God had already created the remedy before the poison. Okay, God, gave, God, God saved us before he made us. You get that when you get home. Because the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. Because God, knowing all things, knew uh, the rebellion, knew the, 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 the disobedience, knew what was going to ensue, and he made the remedy for it before it happened. We, we, we have the solution after the problem. God had the solution before the problem. Because the devil uses three things to take us out of relationship with God. He uses the woman, uh, 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 Eve. He uses the tree of life of, of, of knowledge of good and evil. And he uses death to separate us from it. So God used the same three things, took what the devil used, and used it against the devil. He used the woman, which was Mary. He used the tree, which was cross of Calvary. And he used the death of Jesus Christ to bring us back into that relationship with himself. Because you can, God always has another move. If you've got a problem today, God has your solution. The way to get to your solution is get through God to get to the solution. You will not work it out on your own. However good intentions your friends have, or the systems has, or your doctors have, or your psychiatrist has, or God has the perfect solution for you. Hallelujah. And that's what it's about. So God made the remedy before the poison. Now, we see Paul writing, making this statement. He says this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. He speaks about our nature, what, how we're made, the elements that make up a man. And this is what he says, identifies here, watch this. Now may the, Lord, the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning we are tripartite. You have a body, you have a spirit, and you have a soul. Yeah? You have three elements that make you. We neglect more predominantly one, sometimes two. Yeah? And we focus on the one. And the one we focus on is the body. We want to build our bodies up, and I'm no exception. I want to keep fit. It's good to be fit, but we neglect our spiritual well-being. And we neglect that. We gratify the natural, and we neglect the spiritual. And what's between the natural and the spiritual is the emotional, which is the soul. Psihi goes, psihi. It's a soul. And we're, we're, we're driven by soul emotion and not by the spirit rushing out. So we make decisions blindly and not understand the bigger picture. And they're limited the decisions we make. And God would say to you today, I'm removing that veil that you can see clearly. Amen. Yeah, I want to remove that veil that you can see clearly. You can wake up spiritually. See, when the disciples came around Jesus and there was people uh, curious about who he was, they wanted to follow him. Um, one said to him, I'll follow you. But before I follow you, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. 
You follow me and preach the kingdom. Now, one second, what are you talking about? How can the dead bury the dead? Meaning when you're just soulish and carnal, you are dead spiritually. You are either dead spiritually or dead physically. Either or what? You cannot have both at the same time. Either you're awake spiritually and you've died to the old man, or you're awake physically and you're not alive in the new man. I'm going to give myself an offering here. I don't know if... So it's body, soul, and spirit. So what's embodied in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 is these three elements, okay, to draw the spiritual meaning and depth of this passage because he says the, the, the fish in the sea, the sea represents emotions. There's a tempest, yeah? We're tossed to and fro on our emotions, but the Lord said you will have dominion and control of your emotions. The truth of the matter, our emotions have control over us. Amen. We're driven by emotion. We get angry. We're, our reference points is our past. And we're, we're, we're fixated on that. So when we make a decision, we're blinded. We're, we're, we're somehow we're, 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 we're confused because our past drives us. So the experience we've had in our past, that's what the reference points that cause, help us or make us make decisions for now. And we block, we, we, we become prisoners of our past. And God wants to set us free from those, those, those way of, that, that way of thinking, praise God. So it's like the sea. So he says you should have dominion over the fish of the sea. So anything to do with the tempest, the emotional driven, how we're driven in emotion. God wants you to be set free of that. So you don't make an emotional decision because emotional decisions can have long-term consequence and long-term repercussions and come back to haunt you. A decision you make today can determine your future. The door you go through today can determine your eternity. And that's why we need to be in, in our, be awake spiritually to make the right decisions for our eternity. Because we're all on a journey. We're not here forever. Find our purpose is it, it, empowering. Finding our purpose is empowering. That's why James says this. Watch this, which Becky read. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Don't ask me for wisdom. Don't go to a sweet shop and say, can I have a packet of wisdom? <laughs> ask God. Amen. Say, Lord, you lack wisdom, ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So ask, but from the depth of your heart. Don't ask just intellectually. Ask from your heart. Say, Lord, I need your wisdom. Amen. I need to have an understanding. Praise God. Praise God. And the fact that you are here today... Something spiritual and supernatural is happening in your lives. Whether you like something, the fact that you are here, you would not be here if something, you were not driven. Something spiritually actually drew you to be here today. You wouldn't be here. So by the fact that you're here, this is for you. Someone is, someone's going to benefit from today's message. You're going to leave here transformed, empowered, equipped for, for new, 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 new thresholds, new challenges, new, new, new things that are taking place. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so he says, uh, but let him ask in faith. Stop believing. Amen. Yeah, you're not sure, but stop believing uh, with, with no doubting. So don't doubt. Just ask and be in an expectation. And God will give you liberally. He's in abundance. So I say, well, ask in faith. Well, how do I cultivate my faith 
So it can become strong, yeah? Okay. And how, how does faith grow in me? Well, Paul furnishes us with this answer in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. He says it very clearly. And you are in the right place to help your faith grow. He says, so then faith comes by what? Hearing, Hearing what? Hearing God tune into your news channels, tune into your soap operas, tune into your radio station. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. It's the word of God. If you want electricity, you've got to plug it in the right plug socket. Yeah? If you want the word of God, you've got to be plugged into God. Hallelujah. And, and that by hearing uh, the word of God and reflecting on it, meditating, just, just hear it. Say, what is, what's going on? If there must be some value to the word of God that is sustained the, the test of time. It stood the test of time to reach us today. It wouldn't be relevant if the fact that all over the world today, on a Sunday, the Lord's Day, people are gathering to hear the word. There must be something powerful about it. We don't just go without thinking about it. Something must be powerful to, to want to hear the word of God. There must be something behind it. And there's a, there's a divine hand leading us in everything we do and everything we say, praise God. I'm going to try not to be too, too long. Because I don't want to drown you, but let's just come to a bit more substance of this. So, so we see the C represents our emotions. So God wants you to have um, dominion over them, control over emotions. And if you're not sure, be around people that you can draw from and help you edify you and give you godly counsel to help you overcome your emotions. Because his emotions drive us to do, blind us and drive us to do things that are bad for us in the long term. Emotionally driven. And this is where blind loyalty comes from, from an emotion. We support people because of emotional connection and cord strings, uh, apron strings, if you like, and not through rationale. And it's detrimental not just to us, but to them at the same time, because you're, you're enabling them to live in their deception. If something is wrong, say with love, it's wrong. Yeah. Then the next one, over the birds of the air. And I touched upon this on Friday as a foundation for today's message. What does the birds of the airs represent? None other than pride. And if we want to look like God, we have to have a humble disposition. We must be humble in all our ways, how we speak, how we behave, how we respond to each other. There must be a humble attitude in relation to how we engage with each other. Oh, often it's pride. Who are you to tell me this? But humility as it is, is a divine attribute to be humble. Hallelujah. It's powerful. In Psalm 113, verse 5 and 6, this is what the psalmist says. Who is like the Lord our God? Watch. Who dwells on high. But watch what he says in the next verse. Watch this. Watch. Who humbles himself. Wow. You mean God? How does God humble himself? Well, that... The, 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 the profound expression of God's humility is found in Jesus. Who we're told in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Please take note of this. Go back, reflect on this message. It will empower you, it will be edifying for you. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay. And what does he say in verse 6? 
who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Powerful statement that, that uh, is made by Paul. Humility. So if you want to reflect God's our nature is being humble. The birds have dominion and control over the birds of the air, meaning have control over pride. Be humble. But the, Jesus said, he who humbles himself, God will exalt him. He who exalts himself, God will bring him down. God hates pride. It's pride that got Lucifer, or so I should say Satan, out of, out of heaven. The devil out of heaven. Pride. He pride. He became proud and thought it was more important than what he was and what he is. So we need to reflect that humility in our everyday life. Praise God. And then he says this. He says the cattle, okay, and the earth. The cattle represent irrationality. To Rise above being irrational, making rational decisions. Because if we're made in the image and likeness of God, we must be rational, not irrational. Yeah? I'm going to finish very shortly. Okay, so just please take the last few things I'm going to say. Being rational. And how does one become rational? By allowing God to, to restore and allowing Christ to be established in our lives changes everything. Our outlook changes. That's why Paul told us in two th- uh, Philippians chapter, chapter 2, verse 5, he says this. Watch this very quickly. Let this, what? Mind. Because our mind is tainted. We've been, we've been so, there's so many things that we've been conditioned by the world to think in different ways, to be controlled and op- oppressed depressed and possessed in different ways we cannot see clearly so we need to get rid of this mind and have the mind of Jesus Christ and how does that happen when one is baptized and one confesses Christ the old passes away and you become a new creation in Christ all the old has passed away and you become new and you have you set yourself with the mind of Christ as a baby in Christ but with a with a rational capacity to reason things in the right to know what's right and to know what's wrong that Paul says, study to make that you'll become approved, he says. Right, knowing how to rightly divide the word of truth, meaning from a rational disposition. Because something which is right for the world may be wrong for God. And something that's wrong for the world may be right for God. So we've got to tune into God's mind, not the world's mind. And we've got to de- decondition ourselves. Cleanse our minds. That's why Paul tells us in in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says this. He says, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So to have dominion and control over these these, uh, uh, fleshly and, and worldly things, we have to have divine intervention and assistance in this matter and it's called workmanship with God God will respond to you according to your desire oh praise God and so if we go to to first second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 watch this for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds so what are our weapons to bring these strongholds to restore that dominion that we have over our natural disposition, our physical disposition? What are those, what are, what are those, those weapons we have? Watch verse 5. It says this. 
casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we, we need to subdue the mind. We need to change our mind, the way we think, the way we behave. Our outlook has to change. And that can only change through God's presence in our life. Hallelujah. And we need to allow him to enter. So if you never had that experience of God, I would encourage you, explore it. Explore today what God perhaps may have for you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because God is in the business of restoration. So God has built in to our downfall, our upbringing, our raising us up. He's built that into his word, into the, 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 history, the human history. Praise God. And how does he, how is it being built in? Well, Joel tells us this profoundly, very, very powerfully when he makes a statement in Joel chapter 2, verse 25. He says, God is going to restore your dominion, your control over your natural disposition. So you're going to not be natural. You're going to be supernatural. You're going to be spiritual. By God doing something in history, by outpouring his Holy Spirit to infill us, to transform us, to empower us, to do what he calls us to do. And this is what he says, so I will restore to you. So embrace this today. If you come here for the first time, God is going to restore you. If you come here, you're, you've got any concern, any emotion, anything you're trying to overcome. God is in the restoration business. So I will restore to you what? The years that the swarm, swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, praise God. God is in the business of restoration. God's going to take up the power that the enemy took from you and give it to you. Because the Bible tells us that when a thief steals something and he's caught, he has to restore seven times. So what the devil has taken has to be restored to you sevenfold. That means perfectly you're going to be restored. God's going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Praise God. He's going to take what was taken and give it back to you. God, Jesus, restored that authority to his people. That includes you and I. Hallelujah. It includes you and me. Watch this. Watch this. This is Jesus' words. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 10 verse 19. I'm going to finish with these last few thoughts. God now is giving his people this authority. So I want you to juxtapose, put alongside each other, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, and now Luke chapter 10 verse 19. And the ones who get the revelation will say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Because we lost that dominion, we lost that control, now God wants to restore it in ourselves, for ourselves. He says this, behold, I give you the authority. That the things that trampled you, you're going to trample over them. Oh, hallelujah. Whatever serpent has called itself around you, you're going to shake off into the fire of God's judgment. Oh, hallelujah. God is saying, behold, I give you the authority. The dominion that you lost, I'm giving it back to you. I bound the strong man. I've taken his possessions. I'm giving you the authority. All you need to do is receive. See, you're, you cannot take it. God is a giver. What did I say to begin with? The nature of God is a giving nature, a loving nature. Watch this, watch this. It says, it's given out, praise God, hallelujah. He says, it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It didn't say you can take them. I'm giving them to you. All you need to do is say, I receive. Now, if you want to receive that authority, that dominion, that, God, that God, God's purpose, intention from you for the beginning, all you need to do is say, thank you, Lord, and be appreciative and take responsibility for what God is doing in and through your life. I cannot emphasize that enough. Behold, I give you the authority 
to trample on serpents and scorpions. Any power, God's restoring the years that the locusts have eaten. Hallelujah. I'm giving you're going to trample underfoot. Hallelujah. You know the nature of a locust is a creature that needs to fly with the wind. It hops up and it takes the current flows. But when the current stops, it falls. Hallelujah. And this is, it has a form of flight, but it's, it's an illusion. It's fake. And sometimes we, God's taking all the fakeness away from our lives. There's so much fake around the world. Nothing is what it seems in the world. Everything that shines is not gold in the world. Hallelujah. Praise God. And he says, and I'll give you power over the enemy. And nothing should by any means hurt you. I'm going to protect your emotion. I'm going to protect your spirit. I'm giving you that authority power. No one is going to be able to hurt you anymore. You're detached. You're going to become Teflon. You will Velcro before everything's stuck on you. But now you're going to become Teflon. Everything's going to slip off you. The enemy will not be able to have his hand on you. Hallelujah. And impact you or stain you. I've set you free. Because if the Son has set you free, you're truly free indeed. And I'm saying to you today, embrace the Word of God. He says, behold, I give you the authority. You see, it's not just words of God. Walk in that confidence. Not conceitedness and pride. Confidence and boldness. Knowing who you are in God. You know, when you see the royal family. I'm going to finish the last few thoughts. And you see Prince William. And you see how he conducts himself. He walks, he conducts himself because he embraced his identity. When you embrace your identity, you can walk accordingly. He embraced his identity. He's the prince. He's the king's son. And when he conducts himself according to those manners. And when you know who you are, you can walk with that confidence and authority who you are. Hallelujah. Praise God. And this is what God is giving us. Behold, I give you. When we embrace that, accept that, we walk with that confidence and authority. No power, no weapon formed or fashioned against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you shall be cut off. That is our portion. Hallelujah. Praise God. Walk on. Move forward with what God has for you. But let me just go to the next verse. Watch this. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. That's just a matter of fact. That's the byproduct, all this authority, that you are a child of God. He says, do not rejoice in this. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. This is by nature. This is natural. You can do this by, it's natural. It's my working in and through you. There's something more important that you need to bear in mind. And what is the more important? But rather rejoice. Because your names are written in heaven. That's just a natural cause, a natural byproduct of you being a child of God. No power can overwhelm you and overtake you. If you embrace your identity in God, you are more than a conqueror. And if you permit me just to give a a little diversion. Yeah? Let me give you a little diversion. Being, restoring that image and walking according to the attributes and characteristics of God changes everything. Hallelujah. Blessings come to you. Hallelujah. 
as opposed before they will fly running from you. Now they're going to be coming to you. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was born in a stable. What happened? The Magi came and brought the gifts to him. He didn't have to go looking around for them. If you want to be blessed, let Christ be establishing you, and the gifts will search you out and find you. Hallelujah. Praise God. And that's very important to have that confidence. That's what we're speaking about, that confidence, and know who you are in God. Praise God. And when, the, when Jesus grew, and wherever he ministered, wherever he walked, the demons were, 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 were traumatized, tormented. When he walked, landed on the sea after he crossed over the Sea of Galilee and went to the place called Gadarines, a demon-possessed man was there. And the demon said, what do we have to do with you, son of the Most High? And they pleaded with him to cast them into the, ab- the swine and not the abyss. They were fearful. They were tormented by him. And when you have the power of God, every demonic power will be tormented by he who is in you. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The devil is not scared of you or me. He's scared of who's in you. But he's got to be in you for the devil to be scared of you. The dimension, the level of your relationship with demonic powers reflects your relationship with God. The closer you are with God, the devil cannot approach. The farther the way you are to God, the devil can have a field day with you. That's why Jesus tells us the final verse, Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So don't let him be outside today. Quickly open the door and, and drag him in if you must. And allow him to take center place in your house and go and get your title deeds of your house. Here you can have the title deeds. This house belongs to you because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Praise God. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I said, come into church. You can come to church. You may not grow spiritually because you're just perceiving. You're not going back and putting into practice what you are hearing. Is that right? It's the participation that changes everything. Let me tell you, you, go, you want to lose weight, you want to be comfy, you want to be able to get, you get, build your stamina. Just go to the gymnasium and stand and look at the treadmill and turn it and let it go on and just watch it. And eat your crisps. <laughs> and eat your buns, your cream buns. Just keep watching it going round. It's going. Just keep. After half an hour, that's my workout. And you leave. You go the next day and you stand and you watch it. But someone gets on it and starts running up and down. Who's going to be, who's going to change? You are both going to change. <laughs> yeah? And, both, and, you, and the change is going to be obvious to everyone outside. Because the one who's not doing it will be, will be visible. And the one who is doing it will be seen. Yeah? And this is the attitude in church. That's why it's wonderful. Truth is so powerful, so wonderful to show these as metaphors, examples, to show we come to church. Yes, you're, listen, you're listening to the Word. But when you go home, the important thing is when you go home, do you put to practice what we are speaking about? Start discovering who you are in Him and who is in you and why were you created and what's the purpose of life? Amen. Yeah? And the reason why we have a depressed, negative society, because we have a generation who has lost direction and lost their purpose. 
You need to have a purpose that you need to be a go home and, and cannot wait to get up in the morning or don't even want to sleep because you're so excited about your purpose. Some people cannot get up in the morning because they've got no idea what life is really all about. You should be bouncing out of bed in the morning saying, what's next, Lord? What's, what do I need to do next? I'm excited. It's a wonderful adventure, this life. Not doom and gloom. Woe is me. It's another day. Because we don't know our worth in him, we don't know our purpose. It's exciting to be in God. It's, the world has lied about everything because it's made religion out of relationship. I say that again. It's made religion out of relationship. It's made it a chore. Made it, there's no joy in that. Just go and watch some old men dress up with vestments, going around doing all these things when really it's participation. Being a part of it is what's important and enjoying the journey, which is very, very important. Praise God. So once you know your purpose, you need to embrace that transformation and accept that change, restoration in God. You've got to embrace it. It's one thing knowing about something Doing it is something completely different. If you know what you need to do to change and you just still detach yourself from that, it's not going to impact you. But you need to embrace transformation and work with it and you'll be better for it. You're going to feel better. Body, soul and spirit. Yeah? So let's move away from that lower level and, and, and transcends that become reflecting the divine image and divine likeness which is so important and how what do we need to help us on the journey we need wisdom Amen. Sophia you need wisdom but so you need to be around those areas you can draw that wisdom become a sponge yeah you know a sponge when you absorb it in water it takes on what it's, its surroundings wherever it is sponge so you're like, you've got to see yourself like a sponge. Is there some places you don't want your sponge to go to and absorb? You need to keep away from them because you can taint yourself. You can contaminate yourself if you're in the wrong places. You absorb your surroundings. So you need to be in places which will enrich you, which will edify you, which will empower you, not places which will stain you yeah, and corrupt you and pollute you. So you need to be careful what you're absorbing from because we're metaphorically, we're, we're, metaphor, we're like sponges. We absorb our surroundings, our environment. You know the C19, COVID-19, everyone was careful, uh, two meters distance from everyone else. We've got to be careful lest the virus come on us, then we'd then we be contaminated. Where there was quarantine and all these things to protect us of, of what the virus, the virus around us. Well, there's other viruses that we're not careful and conscientious about that we need to protect ourselves from they viruses of immorality viruses of of deception yeah and we've got to be careful of these things because once they take hold of us and once they impact us it's difficult to to get to set ourselves free from those things but thank god the lord can set us free so we need wisdom to know how to navigate praise god if you uh, solomon in proverbs chapter 3 verse 13 made this statement so please make notes and go back and think about who am I? Who are you in God? Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Yeah? 
When you find wisdom, you're going to have joy. When you're living in wisdom, through wisdom, uh, you're going to have joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the man who, who gains, and the man who gains understanding. So you need the wisdom to start understanding things. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's very important. Solomon gave these nuggets of gold, these precious nuggets to us. So be around a place you can draw from this wisdom to help edify yourself and not just yourself, that your cup will run over and other people will be edified by your wisdom, wisdom that's flowing through you, by your example. And remember, in life there are two teachers. One is experience and one is example. Yeah? And you need to express those. You need to have the experience to live by example. And it doesn't just happen. It's effort. It's, it's a process that you go through to, to tr embrace that transformation. And, you know, every day I try to improve myself in every different, different types of disciplines. I try and, be, try and be the best version, not always get there, best version of what I want to do or what I believe God wants me to be. I, I upgrade myself. We need to continually upgrade. We need to, you know, we didn't evolve I don't believe in evolution. We're not, I believe God's creation. But we need to involve in different ways in our minds and understanding and develop ourselves. We must not have childish mindsets all the time. We must go from milk to solids. But often we're too much, not even on the milk sometimes. And that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, made this statement. He said this, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. And some people haven't got beyond this point. Yeah, we, you might attend a church, or, or, you, or you may not attend church, but you're always that level, that immaturity, or immature, spiritual immaturity. You might be academically clever, but you might be spiritual ignorant. Just because you have information... And you know how to answer, be, have comprehension and answer questions and get A-levels and get whatever you're going to get, but you don't have wisdom, it means nothing. And then he says this, verse 2. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. Yeah? So we look at this as, for example, as the basis as the criteria to maturity. Therefore, if you see this, they say, look, I can't get, you cannot take milk and you, can't, you haven't matured. You cannot take solids now. You can't even take milk. And because of your situation, your, your lack of spirituality and your lack of divine connection, your reactions, you're reacting to situations and you're confrontational because you don't understand the love of God and you're not moving through the wisdom of God, you're moving through the ignorance or the foolishness of the world because it's bringing you to a confrontational mindset. Watch this, watch this. Verse 3, watch this very quickly. For you are still carnal. For where there, there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Meaning where there's conflict, division, and thinking you're better than everyone else, you are no longer in the spiritual realm. You're in the carnal realm, the irrational realm, the cattle realm, the fish realm, the, the sea realm of emotions where you're tossed to and fro on every emotion and the pride of the birds. And this characterizes humanity. 
When you have one nation fighting against another nation, no spirituality. I don't care whether a nation calls itself a Christian nation, whatever it wants to call itself, and it's, and it's confrontational. It no longer, it's not looking through the lens of the spirit. It's looking through the carnal, the carnal mind, the carnal limitation. Yeah? So what the Apostle Paul said, when, you're, when there's envy, strife, and divisions. And in the church, if we're dividing and we're fighting, squabbling against each other, it's not God leading us, it's the devil. People don't like these messages. But that's the reality of what the Bible, and I'm not saying these things, it's the Bible saying them. It's Jesus saying it's God saying them, it's the apostles saying them. It's not me, it's a spiritual re- revelation in God. It's not my message. I'm not, I haven't written this. So if you've got a problem, address it to heaven. If you have a problem, it's God you need to deal with, not me. I'm just a, a, a voice in the wilderness of this world. It says, let's just, let's just come, what, what Paul is saying, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions. If I'm calling myself a Christian, and someone else is calling themselves a Christian, and we're wrangling, arguing, envious, uh, uh, whatever the case is, how, where's Christ there? He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. And Jesus said to them, you are of your, your father, the devil, who was a, a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Ah. Because all, the source of the, 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 the lie comes from one source, and that's the devil. Hatred comes from one source. God is love. God is a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. So if you're around people causing trouble, get away. Let your sponge get away from them. Rinse it out and start afresh. And you need to rinse it out, but not only rinse it out, wash it with the pure water of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit do the cleansing work in you, transformation, catharsis, cleanse you from within. And and go to places to draw the pure waters of, of God's love, God's truth, and God's way. And it will change everything, praise God. Hallelujah. Am I speaking to someone? Am I talking to the air? Yes, amen. The other thing is that embracing our transformation is that we realize when we come to God that we need to have a servant's heart. Because the Lord said, I've come to serve, not to be served, and offer myself as a ransom for many. We need to have that servant's heart. We need to, we need to delight in wanting to serve and encourage and support each other, and not just ourselves here, but people in our community, people in the world. We need to roll our sleeves up and sometimes do get dirty when we roll our sleeves and be participating. Not just spectators, but participators. That's embracing our divine, divine identity and being the best version of ourselves we can be, giving, giving out of ourselves. Because the more you give, the more you have left over. The less you give, the less you have. That's the, that's the divine science. That's the divine physics. That's the divine principle. And that's... that's validated through the word of God. When Gideon had 300 men, he defeated a whole nation of Midianites and other tribes at that time through the 300. Less is more. When they were feeding the 5,000 men plus women and children, they had five loaves and two fish. They fed those perhaps 20,000 people and they had 12 baskets left over. They began with seven items and they finished with 12. You can never outgive God. You start giving and God will bless you. God will validate you. God will elevate you. God will promote you and God will, will bless you in, in, in dimensions that you cannot imagine in yourself. Just trust 
God's system and God's process and say, here I am, use me, Lord. Have the servant's heart. Look, look, Peter, John, and James were fishermen. They had company. They had their, 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 their work. They had a company, a fishing company. And the Lord says, I'll make you a fisher of men. You follow me now. They gave all the apps. Of, and, they, and God gave them in abundance on different levels, different things. They changed the whole world. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Let's just read a few verses before we finish today. It says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as God's stewards of the manifold grace of God. Yeah, so whatever we have, Peter, he said, minister it to one another. Share, serve, encourage, support. Don't compete. Don't be envious. If someone's, everyone's got their journey, you are not a copy of someone else. You are an original of God, what God wants you to be. And celebrate that originality. If that originality means you are in a position that the world perceives less inferior to someone else, no, it's inferior because God's gave it to you. It's superior, thank you. That's why I have my pastors here to help me out. It's superior because God's gave it to you, praise God. So that inferior thing that the world sees is that's inferior, that's superior because God has given it to you. Hallelujah. Amen. So whatever it is, however little it is, a little goes a long way when God's in the equation, yeah, than a lot if God's not in the equation. Yeah? Come on, these are lessons. Praise, praise the Lord. These are lessons. You're not paying me now for these, are you? You go to a motivational talk somewhere, you pay thousands and hundreds. I'm telling you something, God bless them, but I'm telling you something, you take these words of the word of God, there's nothing, they cannot compare to the word of God. Amen. They cannot compare to the word of God. I'm telling you that. I've been, we've been on all the different places, different platforms, nothing compares to the word of God. Nothing, Amen. nothing. The Bible is the most unique book in the whole universe. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you, if you allow God to do his thing in your life, you'll never regret it forever and ever and ever. I'm telling you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so let me just read a few more verses. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. I want to just allow it to absorb in your spirit. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. But grow in the grace and knowledge. He said, know the truth. Stop being in your word. There's a revolution taking place in the world today, a Christian Jesus revolution. Be part of that move of the Spirit. It's not an event. An event is one day occasion. You have a concert, it's one day. You have a sports event, it's one day. This is a movement, not an event, praise God. Hallelujah. It's a, it's a process going from strength to strength. You're going, be a part of it. When this finishes, run to one of the pastors in the church, come to me and say, how can I be used more and more to serve the purpose of God? Not just go away and just show. This is a time of excitement. Revival is taking place, not just here, but around the world. In spite of the wars, in spite of the conflict, God is still meeting people at the place of their need. Hallelujah. I rejoice. I rejoice always, praise the Lord, with what God is doing. 
In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and verse 24, let's just go quickly here. But whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men. So whenever you're, you're embracing your transformation, you're having your servant's heart, you start identifying with your, your eternal parentage, divinity, our Father who art in heaven, and so forth. And whatever you're doing, you're not doing it to please men, just to be seen, but you do it with your whole heart, as if as you're doing it, which you are doing it for God, to God and for God. Praise God. So you don't do this and say, you say, look what I've done for you. you done, we've done. We've only done. We only do what is required of us. No more, no less. And verse twenty-four says this: knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. And when you know your identity and that divine connection, you do whatever you do wholeheartedly. You're doing it for the Lord. And he's always with you. Your employ- this is the only career, the only employment that your employer is with you all the time. Listen to that carefully. See, when you go to a company, you go for, uh, to do your everyday work, your, your manager, your director, your employer might be somewhere else. This is the only employment that your employment is, your employee is with you all the time. He says, I never leave you nor forsake you. He says, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, praise God. The apostle Paul says, examine yourself uh, whether Christ is in you or not, unless you are disqualified. So it's got to be with us. Your employer must be with you. So continually, he knows what you're doing. He knows wherever you are, he's with you intimately at those times. Not just himself, but his Father and the Holy Spirit. There's no coolness. There's no way you can hide. When you say, Lord, you are my Lord and Savior, he ends, you become his temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this very clearly. It says this, watch this. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So you're employed, now you're sitting there, if you're Christ-centered and you're a believer and you've received Jesus, Jesus is sitting there with you. He's a part, he's here, he's with you at the same time. He feels all things. It says, Greek is, feels all things, permeates everything. So you say, I'm coming to God. You don't go to God, God is there with you at the same time. I said, I'm going to come to God. Where am I going to come to God? If I go there, God is there. God is here at the same time. He's there. I'm not going to God. I'm in God. He's in me. It's like you're standing in a big ocean, divine ocean. You're in the ocean. And wherever you move, that's the ocean. The world, the spirit is, is permeating the world like the ocean. So wherever I am, God is present with me. He knows everything. He knows me better than I know myself. Hallelujah. Praise God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 15, verse 15. We finish shortly. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it means effort, diligently, be diligent. The Greek word is spudason, to study, to present yourself approved to God. So study, make an effort, participation. It changes everything. You don't regret it. We don't regret it. Well, I'm talking to perhaps the converted because uh, we've been on this journey for more than 30 years. And I know God has been with us all the way. He's opened doors that no one can close. 
and he's closed doors that no one can open. And I just marvel every time God takes on a different level, every time. I just marvel. Be still and know that he's God. I just marvel. You just, just, I can't live your life for you, but I can tell you about my journey. Just trust him. You know, good, bad, indifferent, doesn't matter. Be consistent in trusting God. Even if things don't look the way you want them to look, just trust him. Because they're the way he wants them to look. Because there's something he wants to teach you in what you're going through sometimes. It becomes a stepping stone to take you somewhere better, more, more empowering. Praise the Lord. It's a journey that we take. The beginning of that journey is to say consensual. Say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you, not the world. I want to restore that identity. I want the best version of myself, what you want me to be. Not what the world wants me to be. Because there's pressure. There's peer pressure. How you can, They want you to conform to what they want you to be. Resist that peer, peer pressure. Look to God. Be around the wise. The people of God are the wise people, the ones who are in the world, the ones who live by example. Not the ones who just speak the Bible, but the ones who live the Bible. They're the ones you need to draw close to, praise God. And in them, God is present as he's present in you. So praise the Lord. We want to give the Lord the praise, the glory, and worship, and thank him on this night. And I know God has a plan for you. We're, we're